0: Hi, welcome to the podcast that narrates the translated Mahabharata, public domain translation obtained from sacredtexts.com. Kindly excuse errors in pronunciation on my part. The year is but the nave of a wheel, to which is attached 720 spokes, representing as many days and nights. The circumference of this wheel, represented by 12 months, is without end. This wheel is full of delusions and knows no deterioration. It affects all creatures, whether to this or of the other worlds. Yea, Ashwins, this wheel of time is set in motion by you. The wheel of time as represented by the year has a nave represented by the six seasons. The number of spokes attached to that nave is twelve as represented by the twelve signs of the zodiac. This wheel of time manifests the fruits of the acts of all things. The presiding deities of time abide in that wheel. Subject as I am, to its distressful influence, ye ashwins, liberate me from that wheel of time. Ye Ashwins, ye are this universe of five elements. Ye are the objects that are enjoyed in this and in the other world. Make me independent of the five elements. And though you are the supreme Brahma, yet you move over the earth in forms enjoying the delights that the senses afford. In the beginning, you created the ten points of the universe. Then you have placed the sun and the sky above. The rishis, according to the course of the same sun, perform their sacrifices. And the gods and men, according to what has been appointed for them, perform their sacrifices, also enjoying the fruits. Of those acts. Mixing the three colors you have produced all the objects of sight. It is from these objects that the universe has sprung whereupon the gods and men are engaged in their respective occupations and indeed all creatures imbued with life. Ashwins, I adore you. I also adore the sky, which is your handiwork. You are the ordainers of the fruits of all acts, from which even the gods are not free. You are yourselves free from the fruits of your acts. You are the parents of all. As males and females, it is you that swallow the food, which subsequently develops into the life creating fluid and blood. The newborn infant sucks the teat of its mother. Indeed, it is you that take the shape of the infant. You, Ashwins, grant me my sight to protect my life. The twin Ashwins, thus invoked, appeared and said, We are satisfied. Here is a cake for you take and eat it. And a woman knew, thus addressed, replied, Your words, O Ashwins, have never proved untrue. But without first offering this cake to my preceptor, I dare not take it. And the Ashwins thereupon told him, Formerly thy preceptor had invoked us, we thereupon gave him a cake like this, and he took it without offering it to his master. Do thou do that which thy preceptor did. Thus addressed, Upamanyu again said unto them, O oh Ashwins, I crave your pardon. Without offering it to my preceptor, I dare not apply this cake. This Ashwin, The Ashwins then said, Oh, we are pleased with this devotion of yours to your preceptor. Your master's teeth are of black iron. Yours shall be of gold. You shall be restored to sight and shall have good fortune. Thus spoken to by the Ashwins, he recovered his sight. And having gone to his preceptor's presence, he saluted him and told him all. And his preceptor was well pleased with him, and said unto him, Thou shalt obtain prosperity, even as the Ashwans have said. All the Vedas shall shine in thee, and all the Dharma Shastras. And this was the trial of a Pumanyu. Then Veda, the other disciple, disciple of Ayodhadhaumya, was called. His preceptor once addressed him, saying, Veda, my child, tarry some time in my house and serve thy preceptor. It shall be to thy profit. And Veda, having signified his assent, tarried long in the family of his preceptor, mindful of serving him. Like an ox under the burdens of his master, he bore heat and cold, hunger and thirst, at all times without a murmur and it was not long before his preceptor was satisfied and as a consequence of that satisfaction Ved obtained good fortune and universal knowledge and this was the trial of Ved and Ved having received permission from his preceptor and leaving the latter's residence after the completion of his studies entered the domestic mode of life. And while living in his own house, he got three pupils. And he never told them to perform any work or to obey implicitly his own behests. For having himself experienced much woe while abiding in the family of his preceptor, he liked not to treat them with severity. After a certain time, Janmajaya and Pausya, both of the order of Kshatriyas, arriving at his residence, appointed the Brahman. Veda, as a spiritual guide, Upadhyay. and one day, while about to depart upon some business related to a sacrifice, he employed one of his disciples, Uttanka, to take charge of his household. Utanka said, "He, whatsoever should have to be done in my house, let it be done by thee without neglect. And having given these orders to Utanka, he went on his journey. So Utanka, always mindful of the injunction of his preceptor, took off his abode in the latter's house. And while Utanka was residing there, The females of his preceptor's house, having assembled, addressed him, and said, O Utanka, thy mistress is in that season where connubial connection might be fruitful. The preceptor is absent. Then stand thou in his place, and do the needful. And Utanka thus addressed, said unto those women, It is not proper for me to do this at the bidding of women. I have not been enjoined by my preceptor to do aught that is improper. After a while, his preceptor returned from his journey, and his preceptor, having learnt all that had happened, became well pleased, and addressing Utanka, said, Utanka, my child, what favour shall I bestow on thee? I have been served by thee duly. Therefore has our friendship for each other increased. I therefore grant thee leave to depart. Go thou, let thy wishes be accomplished. Utanka thus addressed, replied, saying, Let me do something that you wish. For it has been said, He who bestows instruction contrary to usage and he who receives it contrary to usage, one of the two dies. An enmity springs up between the two. I, therefore, who have received your leave to depart, am desirous of bringing you some honorarium due to a preceptor. His master, upon hearing this, replied, Utanka, my child, wait a while. Sometime after, Utanka again addressed his preceptor, saying, Command me to bring that for honorarium which you desire. And his preceptor then said, My dear Utanga, you have often told me of your desire to bring something by way of acknowledgement for the instruction you have received. Go then in and ask thy mistress what you ought to bring, and bring what she directs. And thus directed by his preceptor, Utanga addressed his preceptress, saying, Madam, I have obtained my master's leave to go home, and I am desirous of bringing something agreeable to you as honorarium for the instruction I have received, in order that I may not depart as his debtor. Therefore, please command me what I, what I am to bring. Thus addressed, his preceptress replied, Go on to King Persia and beg of him the pair of earrings worn by his queen, and bring them here. The fourth day hence is a sacred day when I wish to appear before the Brahmans who may dine at my house, decked with these earrings. Then accomplish this, O Tanka. If thou should succeed, good fortune good fortune shall attend thee. If not, what good can you expect? Utankar thus commanded, took his departure. And as he was passing along the road, he saw a bull of extraordinary size and a man of uncommon stature mounted thereon. And that man addressed Utanka and said, Eat thou of the dung of this bull. utanka however, was unwilling to comply. The man said again, O utanka eat of it without scrutiny. Your master ate of it before. And Utanka signifies, signified his assent and ate the dung and drank of the urine of that bull and rose respectively, respectfully and washing his hands and mouth went to where King Paushe was. On arriving at the palace, Utanka saw pausha seated on his throne and approaching him, Utanka saluted the monarch by pronouncing blessings and said, I am come as a petitioner to thee. And King Pausha, having returned Utanka's salutations, said, Sir, what shall I do for you? And Utanka said, I came to beg of thee a pair of earrings as a present to my preceptor. It behooves thee to give me the earrings worn by the queen. King Pausha replied, Go, Utanka, into the female apartments where the queen is, and demand them of her. And Utanka went into the f- women's apartments. But as he could not discover the queen, he again addressed the king, saying, It is not proper that I should be treated wi- by thee with deceit. Thy queen is not in the private apartments, for I could not find her. The king, thus addressed, considered for a while and replied, Recollect, sir, with attention. Whether thou art not in a state of defilement in, con- in consequence of contact with the impurities of a repast, my queen is a chaste wife and cannot be seen by anyone who is impure owing to the contact with the leavings of a repast. Nor doth she herself appear in sight of anyone who is defiled. Utanka thus informed, reflected for a while and then said, Yes, it must be so. Having been in a hurry, I performed my ablutions after meal in a standing posture. Thinking, Persha then said, Here is a transgression. Purification is not properly affected by one in a standing posture, not by one while he is going along. And Uttanka, having agreed to this, sat down with his face towards the east and washed his face, hands and feet thoroughly. And he then, without a noise, sipped thrice of water free from scum and froth, and not warm, and just sufficient to reach his stomach, and wiped his face twice. And he then touched with water the apertures of his organs, eyes, ears, etc. And having done all this, he once more entered the apartments of the women. And this time, he saw the queen. And as the queen perceived him, she saluted him respectfully and said, Welcome, sir. Command me what I have to do. And Utanka said unto her, It behoveth thee to give me those earrings of yours. I beg them as a present for my preceptor. And the queen, having been highly pleased with Utanka's conduct, and considering that Utanka as an object of charity could not be passed over, took off her earrings and gave them to him. And she said, These earrings are very much sought after by Takshak. Takshak, takshak, the king of the serpents. Therefore, should you carry them, carry them with great care. And Utanka being told this, said unto the queen, Lady, be under no apprehension. Takshaka, chief of the serpents, is not able to overtake me. And having said this, and taking the leave of the queen, he went back into the presence of Pausya, and said, Pausya, I am gratified. And Pausya said to Uttang, A fit object of charity can only be had at long intervals. You are a qualified guest. Therefore, I do desire to perform a Shraddha. Wait for a bit. And Utanka replied, Yes, I will wait and beg that the clean provisions that are ready may be bought soon. And the king, having signified his assent, entertained Utanka duly. And Utanka, seeing that the food placed before him had hair in it and also that it was cold, thought it was unclean. And he said unto Pausha, You give me food that is unclean, therefore. You shall lose your sight. And Persia, in answer, said, And because you, Im- because you impute uncleanliness to food that is clean, therefore you shall be without issue. And Utanka thereupon rejoined, It behooves you not, after having offered me unclean food, to curse me in return. Satisfy yourself by ocular proof. And Persia, seeing the uh, the food alleged to be unclean, satisfied himself of its uncleanliness. And Persia, having been a- having ascertained that the food was truly unclean, being cold and mixed with hair, prepared as it was by a woman with unbraided hair, began to pacify the Rishi-o-Tanka, saying, "Sir, the food placed before you is cold and has and contains hair, having been prepared without sufficient care." Therefore, I pray thee, pardon me. Let me not become blind. And Utanka answered, What I say must come to pass. Having become blind, you may, however, recover the sight before long. Grant that your curse also does not take effect on me. And Persia said unto him, I am unable to revoke my curse, for my wrath even now has not been appeased. But you, you don't know this. Not a Brahman's heart is, for a Brahman's heart is soft as nutrient butter, even though his words bear a sharp-edged razor. It is otherwise in respect of these with the Kshatriya. His words are soft as nutrient butter, but his heart is like a sharp-edged tool. Such being the case, I am unable, because of the hardness of my heart, to neutralize my curse. Then go your own way. To this, Sutanka made answer. I showed thee the uncleanliness of the food offered to me, and I was even now pacified by you. Besides, you said at first that because I imputed uncleanliness to food that was clean, I should be without issue. But the food truly unclean. But the food is truly unclean. Your curse cannot affect me. Of this, I am sure. And Utanka having said this departed with the earrings.